is Digital Marketer. This week, it's Shandell Varsiana. Hello, and welcome to the Digital Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Snavely, and today is dedicated to content. Shandell Varsiana is the founder and CEO of Varsi Media, a writing company based in Atlanta that specializes in content production for a very specific niche, financial institutions. In this episode, we have an awesome conversation about writing for niche audiences, and she shares with me her number one key for creating consistently incredible content. Shondell really knows her stuff, and on top of that, she has some great insight on what it takes to run a successful business. I hope you enjoy. Here it is. Shondell, hi. Thanks for being on the Digital Marketer Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So we're going to get into a lot of stuff about content writing, a lot of stuff about blogging. But before we dive into, you know, all your knowledge around that, I'd love to know your background and how you got into this, because I would not think that banking and content like at all go together. (laughs) Yeah, I I get that all the time. (laughs) So uh, the way I got started, my, my background is actually banking. So Right out of high school, I started working for one of the oldest banks in Canada called Bank of Montreal. And uh, I just worked my way up in that bank. And then I left that bank and started working for a company called Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation. They are like PMI here in the U.S. Uh, And for your, your audience, I'm originally from Toronto, Canada. So that's where the Canadian is coming in. I live in Atlanta and I've been living here for six years. But my, my corporate career was all in Canada. And while I was at CMHC, I had my property that I was living in and I had a rental property and I paid both mortgages off in a short period of time. And my girlfriend um, suggested that I start helping other people to do the same thing. And, you know, I thought it was a great idea. I didn't know what to do or how to start doing that. And she suggested that I start blogging. I create a blog to give people advice on, you know, just mortgages. And I've been in the industry at that point for such a long time. So she was just saying, you know, just whatever you know, just share it with with people. I'm sure, you know, somebody will find that helpful. And that's what I started doing. I taught myself how to, I knew nothing about blogging prior to her saying that. And I just taught myself how to blog. I created my own website and my website started to get popular and I started to become a part of that whole personal finance community. And as my blog started to get more popular, magazines and radio stations started contacting me, wanting to hear my story. And that led to me working with a, a lady by the name of Gail Vazoxlade. She's the Susie Orman, but of Canada. Oh. Yeah. So working with her, that led to a bunch of opportunities. Companies at that point started contacting me, wanting me to write for them. Now, I was still working at Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation at the time. So my boyfriend, who is now my husband, suggested that I just hire some writers to keep up with the demand of business that I was getting. And, and that's what I did. And that's really how the business was born. Why we, why we write for financial institutions is because what I found when I was blogging, um, a lot of people were coming to me asking me for advice, uh, but they were asking me for advice based on uh, me paying off my mortgages, not based on me working in the industry. And I realized that there was a disconnect between what financial institutions, the the knowledge and the information that are in financial institutions and how that's getting out to their ideal customer. Because all these people that were asking me for advice and questions and things like that are the financial institutions ideal customers, but there was a disconnect. They weren't asking them for advice. They were asking me Mm. simply because 
I was out there, I was blogging, I was on social media, I was in front of them, I was where they, I was hanging out where they were. And that was when I realized, you know what, I could probably build something here and bridge that gap since I've been on both sides of the fence. And that's really how the business was born. And then I brought the business to Atlanta simply because this is my favorite city. Yeah. Tell me about what Varsity Media is today, and then we'll go into all the stuff about blogging. Yeah. So we write we write blog posts and newsletters for financial institutions, credit unions, mortgage companies, and banks. And you guys have been around uh, here in the U.S. for six years. Six years since you went since you moved to Atlanta. Since I moved to Atlanta, yeah. So yeah, you just moved, and you're like, this is it. Yeah, I had some customers here before moving, so it you know it was a a good transition because I just started it about a year before moving here. So altogether, I would say seven years, but the blogging I was just doing, I wasn't getting paid to blog. I was just doing that, you know, just to help other people. But I I blogged for about two years before starting, before I actually started getting paid to blog. Yeah. That's a really amazing story that, especially that you were able to find the gap in, in what people needed. And it kind of leads me directly into my first question, which is, I feel like a lot of our listeners think that what they are selling or what they know about or what their product is, is too boring for a blog. But I'm already seeing like the need for a mortgage blog. And even that is, I'm like, oh, I would think that would be too boring. But now I'm like, no, I need that because I'm interested in buying a house. So, oh my God, I need to know all everything about it. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I get that question a lot too, but I, the focus always needs to be on the customer and being a part of the conversation that they're already having. So for example, because we write for financial institutions and, you know, their target audience would be somebody buying a house, but nobody wakes up and says, I'm going to buy a house today. You know, they've done research. They probably stalked realtor.com, zillow.com to look Mm -hmm. at different houses, look at different prices. They've talked to friends. They've checked out different neighborhoods. So it's always important, whoever your customer is, to be a part of that conversation. So in in my particular situation, because we deal with banks and credit unions, they want to be a part of that conversation that that home buyer is having before they even come to the bank, right? Because they're talking to friends. They may have contacted a real estate agent. They're checking out online you know, realtor.com, zillow.com, they're driving around to different neighborhoods. They want to be a part of that conversation because when they're a part of that conversation, the content just comes easily. You'll know what they want to hear simply because you're part of that conversation. So you just start creating content based on what you already know they're talking about. So it will be interesting because you've already, you already know what they're talking about because you're a part of the conversation and you just tie that back into the content that you write and you share that on Uh, social media platforms that they're hanging out at. And of course you share that on your blog because you want them to come back to your website, call you, contact you, download your checklist, whatever the case may be. So it's all, it's, it's all about connecting the dots, but being Mm -hmm. a part of the conversation is so important. So you know what type of content your audience wants to hear. Yeah. Are there any industries you can think of that just should not blog no matter what? (sighs) Off the top of my head, because you know, we, when I first started the business, we were writing for a lot of different people and we we still wrote for many in- industries. Now we're just focused on financial institutions, but you know, we did a lot of technical pieces. We wrote for doctors, dentists. I mean, we wrote for a variety of industries. So I can't think of one at the top of my head. Content is, in my opinion, it's not just blogging, it's content, right? And content doesn't just have to be written. 
Uh, yes, we focus on on the written side of it, but content could be, you know, Netflix provides content. Hmm. The, the mm-hmm. Content could be video, it could be audio, it could be infographics, it's quotes, like content could be so many different things. So I think I think every industry can use content. How they use that content will always be dependent on what their audience wants and how their audience wants to be communicated, like how they want to be communicated with, like how they, how they want to be spoken to, how they want to uh, relate to your content. Okay. That makes sense. So for someone who's never published in a, in a niche industry before, what do you think that first step for them would be? I would say find out where your target audience hangs out. If they're on Facebook, Twitter, you know, LinkedIn, wherever they are, find out where they are and, and get to know them, be a part of the conversation that they're having. What are they talking about? What questions are they asking? What issues do they have? Get to know them really, really well before you even start providing content. It just makes the process so much easier because then you're not basing your content on what you like. You're basing it on what they want. Mm, That makes sense. So when it comes to having a specific audience, should you, you know, there, there's a focus on, on a specific customer, but should you focus on several types of customers within that niche? So for example, for mortgages, you'd have first time home buyers versus like, you know, people trying to retire and downsize. Yes. Yeah. So for our target audience, who is financial institutions, they all have a variety of, of target customers because yes, as you, as you just said, you know, the first time home buyer would be different from a repeat buyer or someone who is buying investment properties. Uh, and then they also have customers that, you know, just want investments. So yes, their target audience would be different. And what I always suggest that they do is segment their target audience and create content for each of each of them, each of their target customers, rather than trying to provide one piece of content and hitting multiple audiences within it, you'll lose them because it's confusing and some of it won't relate. So definitely segment your your target audience. And yes, you can have multiple target audiences. Okay. So when it comes to the what you do, which is kind of talking with different financial institutions, blogging for them, offering them, you know, these B2B services for a B2C business. Do you find that you're creating different content strategies for these different institutions? And how do you differentiate your services between businesses that are kind of all the same? So our services are the same, but the type of content that we write would be different. So pretty much all of our clients have multiple audiences. So what we do is we write content for a specific group at a time. So we've got we've got multiple writers. So maybe one writer may be right. We, we may have four writers that are writing for one bank, for example. Mm-hmm. And one writer may be just focused on you know, writing information about mortgages for first-time home buyers. And then, you know, another another writer we may have talking about international wire transfers. So we, we do write different kinds of content, but what we do is we have um, client audits that we do. And we start, we before we even start writing, we do a, a complete client audit with our, our client. And uh, what that does is it gives us a lot of background information on who their client is, who they are, and uh, we get to know their clients. So if we're targeting people who are first-time homebuyers and we're also targeting 
you know, people who are, you know, interested in doing wire transfers, we've, we've got to get to know both of those audiences so we could write content mm. that resonates with both of those audiences. So that's where we start before we even start writing. We get to know the audience, regardless of who that audience is. If it's four different audiences that, you know, is from one bank, we have to get to know all different four of them or else we won't be able to write effective content. Without knowing the customer, we can't write effective content because we have to know how they think. We have to know what they want. We have to know what questions they have, what problems they have. And then we try to provide those solutions, answer those questions through the content. Yeah. So for someone listening right now who maybe wants to audit their own business a little bit and then see what kind of content strategy they can come up with themselves. What are some of those questions in in your audit? So, well, first is who do you want to target? Who are you going after? Who is your target audience? That would be the number one question that you want to ask. And then now that you know who you want to target and who your audience is, the next question is find out where they are. And then after you find out where they are, go hang out there. Um, and then mm. when you go hang out there, get to know them, build relationships with them, find out what they want, what questions do they have, what problems are they trying to solve? And then you can start creating, the, the ideas will come to you with the type of content that you should create because you'll you'll be a part of that conversation. That's where I would start if you're um, not sure who your audience is and where they are, That that's where I would start. For financial institutions, a lot of them know who their audience is just because most banks and credit, they're so old. So they, yeah, they've been around forever. <laughs> yeah, they've been around for a long time. So they've, they've done the whole trial and error. So for the most part, they know who their target audience is. If they don't know who their target audience is, we can help them find out who they are and where they hang out. For example, we have we, we were working with a, a small credit union recently and they didn't really know. They, they knew who they wanted to target, but they didn't really know what their target audience wanted to know. So what we did was we told them to, and they wanted to target first-time homebuyers. So what we Mm -hmm. did was we told them to join Facebook groups that have their ideal customer in them. So there's a ton of, there's Facebook groups on first-time, there's first-time homebuyer Facebook groups. There's homebuyer Facebook groups. There's investment property Facebook groups. So I suggested that they task somebody to join one of these first-time homebuyer Facebook groups that have, you know, three, four, 5,000 people in them. All of those people are interested in buying a house. They're all asking questions. They all want to know what credit score do I need? What What's my minimum down payment? They're, they have a bunch of questions in there. And that would give them so much insight in what their ideal customer wants. And then I also suggest that they chime in and answer some of those questions that people are asking and build relationships with people. You can get so much business that way because that is where your target audience is. So that's an example of knowing who your target audience is, going where they are and providing value to them so they can get to know you so that when they're ready to buy, you want them to think of you because you're always there. You're answering their questions. You're chiming in and giving them, people feel like they owe you something when you're continuously giving them something in return or when they're, when you're, when you continue to give, when you consistently give people, you know what I'm trying to say with people, when you consistently yeah. give people something, they feel like they owe you. So they will naturally, when they're ready, ask you, you know, can we do a mortgage application? That makes so much sense. And, and I love the emphasis on, on actually investing yourself in conversations with them. Like actually, it's not just go find out where they hang out. Okay, great. You know, they're on Pinterest. It's like, go find out where they hang out and then stick around yeah. and not only stick around and watch them, but engage with them and become a part of it because it's so true. Like you have to, you have to really dig in to their mindsets and yeah. their questions. And I, I think this is true for a lot of P 
people who are positioning themselves as experts, you often don't know what people don't know because you know it all. So you can't imagine that they might not know something. You're so right. I remember when I was, when I just um, started blogging, a lot of people were asking me what an amortization is. And because I had been working in the industry for so long, you know, it's, that's, that was one of the problems I, I saw early on is working inside of an institution. You are, it's like, that's your world. So you think you've known that for so long, you think everybody knows it, but everybody doesn't know it. That's why it's so important to know your customer because what you think people want to hear and what people want to know could be totally different from what they actually want to know and what they want to hear, especially when you're in it, right? You're in it every day. You're talking about it every day. Your world is that. So Mm. sometimes there could be a disconnect with what you know and what the customers really want to know. So that's why it's so important to be in there and be a part of that conversation because it just opens your mind up to what your ideal customer wants. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. So what can people do to get the most benefit out of content creation and blogging? Being consistent. You've got to be consistent. It's that no like, and trust factor. We're a virtual company. So, you know, people don't necessarily know me personally, but showing up every single day, they get to know me. They get to know how I think. And then they could decide whether or not they like you or not, which is great because not everybody's going to be for you. Not every customer is going to be for you, which is fine, right? But the, when you show up every day with your content and you're, you're answering questions that they have, you're providing solutions to problems that they have, and you're doing it on a consistent basis, meaning like every day, um, people get to know you. They get to trust you. They, they're they able to, to read your content. They're able to see your video. And over time, if they're interested, they'll raise their hand and say, you know what? Um, I'm, I've been thinking about getting a mortgage or whatever product you have or service that you're selling. Can I get some more information? So that's the main thing with content. You want to, of course, be a part of the conversation, create great content, but you have to be consistent, especially when it comes to posting on social media, because all of your followers and everyone doesn't see the content that you put out. So the more consistent you are, the more people will see the content that you're putting out. Yeah. I think that's a really key point there is I think a a lot of people might try it out. And when they are like, Oh, well, I wrote this really good one and no one, no one saw it that they might give up or think because it's a lot of effort. It is. Yeah. It's a lot of effort to be putting forth and it's not exactly like, it's not that cash register ringing immediately, but it makes such an impact. Absolutely. You're so right. It does. It can be, you know, it can be time consuming. I mean, that's why we exist. Cause that's, but you know, it's, it all depends on how you look at it. Like we, we write, you know, a lot of extensive content, but as I was saying, content is not just written. You could turn your iPhone on yourself and do a 30 second video and that's content. You can, you can post snippets. So something else that works really well, let's say you write, you know, a 700, 800 word blog post. You can, you can take snippets of that blog post and turn them into social media posts. You can take quotes, things that people said, graphs, statistics, any, whatever you're putting in there, that could be, you know, one week worth of social media post if you take sections of it and put it on social media. So even if you have like a top 10 list, you can list one of those um, tips every day for 10 days. So that, you know, that one blog post, top 10 tips could be turned into 10 social media tips. So Mm -hmm. just 
just open, I would just say, just be very open-minded in terms of content and don't just think it has to be, oh, I've got to put out this amount on this day at this time. Just be consistent and be casual with it. And most importantly, do it based on what your customers want and what's going to resonate with them. But that's how I would look at content. It doesn't always have to be uh, formal. It doesn't always have to be, you know, a bunch of words. You can mix it up. But just showing up every day is 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 what counts. And even if it's not every day, you know, every other day. But when I inconsistent, when I say inconsistent, I mean, you know, once a month is not enough because mm-hmm. nobody will really see you. So definitely a few times a week if you're not able to do it every single day. Yeah. And I think that kind of also answers a question that that we get a lot when people are starting their blogs. They often ask, what's the perfect length of a blog post and what is what day should I post and all these things. And I think you just have to do it and it can be all kinds. <laughs> yeah, it could be. And and blog posts, I know we were talking about blog posts and social media posts. Social media posts are a little bit different than blog posts. Blog posts are usually to get ranked. So when people are searching for keywords in Google. Hey, DM listeners, did you know that you can generate leads from Instagram without using any landing pages or websites? If you're not sure what I'm talking about, Instagram actually allows businesses and influencers to set up automations to automatically capture leads through the Instagram inbox. So this means that you can generate leads for your business all using 100% automated Instagram messages. And the good news is our friends at Bot Builders can show you exactly how to do it. They're an industry leader, and these guys have landed some of the biggest clients in the world. So if you want to learn how to use Instagram automation to generate leads, go check out their free training at botwebinar.com. They'll show you exactly how it works. You'll see a live demo and also how you can start using their pre-built templates to start going after big clients yourself. Once again, that's botwebinar.com. You know, we want a blog post to come up. We want, you know, our, our customers' websites to come up when people are, you know, searching for something. So the blog posts are great for, for Google and, you know, being in Yahoo. Social media posts are a little bit different. So with social media posts, it's great to show up as often as you can, simply because, you know, the, your followers are, are what's seeing that. The blog post I was saying, you can turn that into social media posts. Mm-hmm. Blog posts you have to do some search engine optimization in order for anybody to see those. Um, unless you're sharing it on your social media and you've got a following and then you can bring them back to the blog post so they can read the whole thing. But usually when we're doing it, it, it's, it's, it is mainly for people who are searching for something on Google, so they find it. But we just also use that content and repurpose it for social media as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a good note too, just, you know, how it's all an ecosystem and it all works hand in hand. I'd love to get like a little specific into these unprecedented, uncertain times as people, as people like to say, how have y'all pivoted in the pandemic? And have you, have you had any changes in, in what your clients are coming to you for? We haven't had changes in what they're coming to us for, but we have had changes in the message um, that we're writing now, uh, of course, because we want to be sensitive to what's happening. But my, my mindset in terms of content has always been to solve a problem, provide solutions, answer questions. So because that's always what the focus should be on, that hasn't changed. It's just what people's questions are have changed, what people's problems are have changed since the pandemic. Naturally, people are now are, you know, more concerned with, you know, if they don't have a job, how are they going to make their mortgage payments? So things like mm-hmm. that, they probably weren't that concerned about that before March. So 
so the questions people have are different and the problems that they have are different. So now we have to make sure we're creating content that's in line with what they're asking now and the, and the problems that they have. How can we solve those problems? How can we help them? What options do you have as a financial institution to help them so they don't lose their house? Because that's all they're thinking about right now. I don't want to lose my house. I've got kids. You know, what are we, what are we going to do? How can you help us? So that's where our focus is. That's where we're writing content to answer those questions because a lot of their customers have those questions. So it's just being, and and this applies regardless of what's happening in the world. Totally. Issues they have, whatever questions they have, if you're always mindful of that, you'll always have content that resonates with your ideal customer. That makes so much sense. When, when you're, when you're finding this kind of content based on, you know, a current event like this, do you find that it's necessary to mention what's going on to mention the pandemic, COVID-19, coronavirus, you know, election year, all those kinds of things in the writing? It depends what we're talking about. And it also depends on, usually we don't have a say in that when it gets that specific, the the, the banks will tell us that because they already have, right. their, there's certain things that they can publish and there's certain things they can't. So when it comes to sensitivity topics, and how and the, the verbiage that we use, that direction usually comes right from the, the FI, the financial institution, because they have policies and things that they have to adhere to. So we would know that up front, not to mention certain things. And some and we also deal with a lot of online banks. So, you know, they they may be a little bit different than some of the, the bigger banks. So it, that always comes from the FI, mm. how we speak. Yeah, that makes sense. We're, we're both writers for them. It doesn't say Shondell at the end of anything or our right. writers for them. So we're when we write for them, it's them that's writing. We're just the right. writers. That makes sense. So do you have tips for anyone who might be new to writing in general or they want to improve the content that they have? Yeah, definitely. I would the the first tip is of course just bringing it back to getting to know your your ideal customer and showing up where they are and being a part of that conversation so you could get some ideas on what they want when it comes to actually writing content if you're going to be focused on you know writing a few quick tips that people usually when people are reading a, a blog post they're not reading word for word they're skimming the content so you want to have short sentences like when we write, for example, a rule of thumb that all of our writers know is no more than 20 words per sentence. Our paragraphs are no more than 100 to 150 words. We always put subheadings. So for example, if you've got a 500 word um, blog post, you want to have you know at least four, three to four subheadings in there. Because what it does is it breaks up the content so that when people are skimming, they can just see a subheading to see if maybe they want to read that section. You can also break up the content with audio, with video, with graphs, with charts, with pictures. All of that helps the eye to scroll down a page as they're reading. And the same thing applies with uh, with social media. I, I, I like uh, emojis. I think that that stops people in their tracks. Video is also great on social media because people are uh, more inclined to, well, we do both. I suggest both. I suggest video and content uh, simply because not everybody is able to, to listen. And if you are going to do video, try to add subheadings in there as well, just because oftentimes people are not able to hear or to listen because whatever they may be doing, they're, they're not able to listen. And then if you also have content, it also gives them an opportunity to read what you're talking about as well. So those are just some tips that you can use. 
you won't know what works until you actually do it and test it. So these are these are tips, but try as many things as you can and then pay attention to what's resonating with your audience and then focus on what's working. Yeah. Do you have any predictions where content marketing might be going in the future? I I think that if you're focused on your customer, it doesn't really matter where it's going. If it that that's always my mindset. Focus on your customer and where they are and where they're going. If they pivot somewhere else, that's where you want to pivot to as well. So the industry in and of itself is 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 kind of vague because different, you know, a lot of people are on TikTok, but maybe your target audience isn't on TikTok. They may be on Facebook. So just because a trend may be going in a in a specific direction doesn't necessarily mean you should be headed in that direction. You always want to be where your customers are or where your target audience is. And that I think the focus always needs to be on your customer and you you won't you won't lose. Yeah, you won't need any predictions because they'll just keep you informed on where they're headed. They'll tell you exactly because yeah. you will know them. You'll be a part of that conversation. So you'll know, you know, what they want. Do you have a favorite story of a client or or FI that you struggled with at first and it just everything clicked all of a sudden and a Cinderella story? Yeah, a few, a few actually where they didn't know how to get in front of their target audience. And I suggested the Facebook groups and that's more of the smaller ones. And I suggested the Facebook groups, they got in there and within six months, we, we were getting some great intel. And the, the, they had tasked two people to go in, in a couple of Facebook groups and they had done so well in building those relationships that we started creating content that, cause they would come back and tell us, okay, this is what we're finding out in, in these Facebook groups. This is what people want. We've been answering questions and things like that. And they would come back and tell us, okay, these are the, these, these are the, what people are talking about. So then we would come up with some topics. What we also did was we heard what they were talking about in the Facebook groups we checked out what keywords matched what they were talking about. So keywords so that when people are searching for on Google, we took those keywords, we added them into the content. Plus they were doing search engine optimization as well. And what that did was it just connected all of the dots. So we were getting Mm. Facebook groups. We were also using keywords that matched what people were talking about in the Facebook groups. And now when people are searching on Google, they'll find the content that we're writing. So that worked out so well. And then we had some call to actions and we were literally able to track the business that they were getting as a result of the Facebook groups. So that was a, you know, huge success story because it, it works. And I mean, it, it, it was great because now they have such a great handle on who their audience is, what they want. And, you know, we're just that added piece to create the content that they want because they, they've been having conversations with them. So they know. Plus, when they're searching on Google for things, it all comes together. And we also use the, that same content on their Facebook page, on their Twitter page. So it all comes together. We're hitting them in so many different areas. I feel like that ties together so much of what you've talked about in this episode that it just offers like a really good light at the end of the tunnel. If if anyone listening is is feeling like it's just not coming together, I think everything you've mentioned just kind of all, it all can be wrapped into a pretty tidy, neat bow <laughs> and this, you know, this lovely ecosystem that you're creating. Yeah, definitely. It, it does. It, it does all come together. But it it really comes together once you know your audience, because it just makes life so much easier when you're part of that conversation. It really does. And I know it takes time because it's not a 
you know, showing up one time and getting to know them, you do have to build relationships. This particular example that I gave you took six months before they were really able to find out what they want. Because you have to see patterns over a period of time as you're answering questions and you've got to be in there all the time. So you'll start Mm -hmm. to see common questions. You'll start to see patterns of what people want. And then that over time, you will build those relationships. And then, you know, on the back end, we're creating content that they're talking about in the group. So it's not a, it's not something that happens overnight. It is, it is something that does take time, but over time you will see the results. If you stick to it, it's like anything in life, you know, you've got to, you've got to stick to it. You've got to be consistent and eventually you'll, you'll begin to see the return. It's like paying off your mortgage. Exactly. That took me a while. <laughs> it took me a while, but I was I, I I had my my eye on the prize. So Chandel, from the perspective of a business owner, what's kind of the biggest challenge or lesson you learned from starting Varsity Media? The importance of having mental stamina is what Oof. I would say. Uh, mindset is yeah, that you know, I, you can learn everything else. I mean, you can learn how to hire, you can learn how to market. You could learn how to do the, you know, the nitty gritty of a business, but your mindset has to be on point. Like there, there, there's so many rejections as a business owner that, you know, you've got to be able to just have mental stamina. You've got to be able to say, okay, that was a no, you know, the next one may be a yes. And I kind of had that mindset coming into my business because, um, like the last corporate job I had with Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation, I wanted that job so bad that I had gone on like, I think I, I would have to go look at the numbers, but I think I had applied for over a hundred jobs within like a year and had like 13 job interviews. And that was the 13th job interview that I got. Wow. And it was like hardest job, hardest job interview I've ever had. It was so difficult, but I, I started to build that mental stamina in my corporate career. And I remember getting that job and I remember going in that interview and I was completely deplete. After that interview, I was, I was so drained because I, I left my soul on that table. Wow. I had given everything I had because I had prepared. There was nothing they could have asked me that I wasn't asked from the other 12 job interviews that I had went on. So I mm-hmm. left that interview and I remember calling my mom and I said, if I don't get this job, there is absolutely nothing else I could have done because I had left my soul on that table. And that's how you have to look at a business too. It's you have to have that mental toughness because there's, you know, the rejection that comes with owning your own business is insane. I I, I kind of think you have to be crazy. Like, it's, <laughs> no, I, I mean, it's just like what it does to you as a person and who you become. And I'm, you know, I'm new. I'm still a baby, you know business owner. I haven't been in business that long, but just what I've learned just to get to where I am today. And I'm not even close to where I want to go. It's just that mental toughness that you need. You know, people say all kinds of things to you, but you've got to just know what you want and not give up ever. When you, Mm. when you believe in something, you, you just have to go. And the people who I surround myself with, you know, they won't let me feel sorry for myself. So that's also important as well. But I, mental toughness, in my opinion, everything else you can learn. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, you could be a motivational speaker. (laughs) Because I'm like, it's true. It's just, yeah, it's that that's the number one advice I would say to any business owner, especially if you're starting, you know, work on your mind, work on, you know, and I do a lot of things to to keep my mind strong and focused. I do a lot of stuff. I read a lot. I, I purposely surround myself with people. My husband is like, you know, he's insane when it comes to this kind of stuff. Like he, 
it, it's him why I even have this business. Like he he saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And then he was able to pull it out of me and mirror it to me until I believed in myself. So, you know, having people like him and having other people really makes a difference too. Because those days when you feel like giving up, which will happen often, you know, having those people in your corner that will say, no, like this is, this is, this is, this is your purpose. This is what you're supposed to be doing. Just get up. Don't take that personally and keep going. You know, that makes a huge difference because it's easy to give up. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there's so many people listening that are like nodding along, like, yep, (laughs) she knows my heart. (laughs) Well, Shondell, I have one more question, the final question, but before I ask you that, I'd love to know where can people find out more about you, more about Varsity Media and everything you have going on? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn daily. I'm on LinkedIn because my target audience is on LinkedIn. So I'm on there all the time. So yeah, you can get me on LinkedIn. Shondell Varciana is my handle. You can also uh, get me on my website, varcimedia.com, B-A-R-C-I media.com. A bunch of free stuff on there for you as well. I've got a free um, checklist. So if you're starting to blog, it's a checklist that you can check off things that to make sure you've included in your blog post before you publish it. I also have a a guide on there as well that just goes through exactly what we do to get results for our customer. And I just finished writing a book that should be out in the next few weeks. So I'll put that on uh, the website as well. It'll probably be like 99 cents on Kindle, you know, not nothing. What's your book called? The guide content writing for financial institutions. So it's It's so um, specific. It's exactly what it needs to do. Yeah. It's exactly what we do. Awesome. Well, Shondell, the final question is something I ask every first time guest of the podcast. And that question is, if you could go back in time and tell your little baby self, the self that was maybe just, just going into her face first baking job, right? Um, If you could tell that Shondell anything at all, what would you say and why? I would say just relax because it will all work out. I, I'm so hard on myself and I, you know, I get frustrated when I don't hit my goals, when I want to hit them all the time. And uh, I think sometimes it causes me to not appreciate the journey. So, which is so important. Uh, the, the journey is so much more fun than the, you know, the, the final destination. It really, yeah. it really, really, really is. Uh, so I would just tell my younger self to just relax and, you know, keep going. You'll get there. Just enjoy the journey. Like it, it took me a while to to get that, but it's so true. The journey is is so much more fun than the destination. Yeah, that is beautiful. Um, this was just an awesome, awesome conversation. Thank oh, you so thank much. You. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, super, super enlightened. And to all of you out there listening, as always, thank you so much for giving us a little bit of your day each week. It means the world to us. And we'll see you same time, same place next week. Bye. Hey, DM listeners, if you're running a Black Friday or Cyber Monday special, listen up. Because Digital Marketer just released our Canva Holiday Promo Pack. It includes almost 200 templates that you can use to make the graphics for all your upcoming holiday specials and three unique design themes for each holiday. The Promo Pack is usually $27, but you can get it today for free. Check the show notes for the link to download, or you can go directly to digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates. That's digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP 
forward slash holiday templates.